hey, aren't you glad that our God is a God of new pages? That our God is a God of new chapters and of new seasons and of new beginnings. You know, I'm so thankful this morning that our God is a God of such grace and such mercy that he would gift us such moments. And and after a a great introduction, I'd love to just jump straight in this morning. Um, And I want to speak this morning about stretching forward in such moments. My title this morning is inspired by the Apostle Paul, who who writes in Philippians 3, and he says, I want to know Jesus. That might sound reminiscent of when I came to preach with a viewer and spoke from Psalm 24 about lifting up our, our gates and our ancient doors. But he says, I want to know Jesus. I want to know the power of his resurrection, but I also, if it means knowing Jesus more, I want to know participation in his sufferings. I want to know being united with Christ in his death, that I might also be united with Christ in his resurrection. And he says, because this is my great desire that I want to know Jesus, there is one thing that I do. In verse 13 and 14 of Philippians chapter 3, he says, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. And the Greek phrase there can literally be translated as stretching forward to what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's a rousing statement, isn't it? And doesn't it resonate so well with the motto text in Isaiah 43 that Jim was talking about where Isaiah is prophesying that God is doing a new thing. You see, this morning we have felt like this is a really important moment to acknowledge this new chapter. Zoe and I have shared a bit of our story of how we've ended up coming here and we're thrilled to be part of this new chapter. For some of you this might feel like a new chapter because you've been here for many years through change after change and transition after transition and now it feels like a new chapter. For others this morning, it might be that you've been through change after change and transition after transition before you got here that has brought you here, and now it feels like a new chapter. I want to say, whatever our journey this morning, I believe this is a moment where God is calling us to stretch forward together into this new chapter. And if we are to do that, I think there are, there are two important things that both the Apostle Paul and Isaiah highlight for us. And the first one is that they highlight that it is important to have those moments where you draw a line in the sand. The Apostle Paul talks about forgetting what is behind. Uh, before Isaiah starts prophesying about God doing a new thing, he says, forget the former things... And do not dwell on the past. Now, who knows the reality is if we're trying to keep on driving forward in our car, it's pretty tricky if we're fixated on our rearview mirror. Probably even dangerous, we might say. 
We know that's the reality. And I want to say this morning that even though he says do not dwell on the past, there is a difference between dwelling on the past and dealing with the past. That sometimes in those moments, we, we, if we are to stop dwelling on the past, we actually have to have those moments where we stop to deal with the past. And as I say that they highlight something important of, of drawing a line in the sand, I'm not talking about those kind of moments where we just decide to, to crack on and pretend that everything's okay. But actually, sometimes I think drawing a line in the sand, it looks like making a decision to deal with something in, the, in, in that. It might enable us to not dwell. Maybe sometimes that decision simply looks like saying sorry to somebody. Maybe sometimes it, it simply looks like making a choice within our heart to forgive and release wrongs that others may have done to us. Maybe it looks like making peace with, with somebody or clearing the air in a conversation, whatever it may be. And so as we sense this call to stretch forward together to what is ahead, I simply want to say, if, if we do find ourselves drawn to dwell on some aspect of our past in whatever shape or form, let, let me encourage us And let's encourage one another to make a decision to be quick to deal in order that we might not have to dwell. The second important thing that I think the Apostle Paul and Isaiah both highlight for us is that it is important to set a forward focus. Paul talks about having this goal in his sights, doesn't he? And Isaiah, after prophesying, saying, God is doing a new thing. See, I am doing a new thing. He asks this pertinent question. And he says, do you perceive it? Do you perceive it? See, I think Isaiah is saying, listen, there is a difference between seeing and perceiving. And actually, if we rewound all the way to Isaiah chapter 6, we would find Isaiah called to prophesy over a people that they would be ever seeing and never perceiving. That's a message for a whole nother day, but he highlights the difference once again. See, as he asks this question, do you perceive it? I see Isaiah asking, are you seeing the circumstances of this new thing? Are you perhaps seeing the the trouble or the shaking or the upheaval that has surrounded that seems to have contributed to this new moment? Are you perhaps seeing yourself as a victim of some kind of circumstance or other that you hadn't planned to be where you are, that, that you didn't see things going how they were going to go, but you've ended up in a place that maybe you didn't even necessarily choose to be? Or are you perceiving? Are you perceiving the purposes of God at work? Are are you perceiving what God is doing? Are we perceiving the spiritual significance of everything that is going on in our world right now? Large world and small world close to us. Are we perceiving that because you love God, He is a God who is working all things, 
Every single thing. He is working all of it together for your good as a lover of Jesus and for the good of his church. Do we perceive this morning? Listen, I want to encourage us. We're not alone in being called to stretch forward into a new chapter. The Bible is full of examples of God doing a new thing. And sometimes that new thing's not always what we thought it would be. You know, sometimes we love to latch onto that phrase of a new thing and think, hey, God's about to do something incredible. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be exciting. And then COVID, uh, like, disrupts everything. But maybe, just maybe, we can perceive it's all part of God doing a new thing. The Bible's full of examples of leading people into new chapters. And this morning, I just want to make mention of two of them. And the first one is Noah. And I believe the story of Noah has great significance for us in the days that we find ourselves living. I want to zoom in on the moment where Noah exits the ark and he steps into this new chapter. We're going to read Genesis chapter 8, starting from verse 13 through to verse 18, which says this. It says, by the first day of the first month, of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, come out of the ark. You and your wife and your sons and their wives, bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. And so Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives. You see, after something like a year of being locked down in the ark, shut up inside the ark, lashed by rain and tossed by the waves, the page is finally turning. Noah removes the cover. He lifts the lid. He emerges from this safe room where he's been sheltering from the most devastating event the world has ever known. And he sets his eyes upon this brave new world before him. And as he does that, he sees that the surface of the ground, the surface of the earth, is dry. At long last, he, he sees, he's got his sights on dry ground after all this time. And yet with dry ground, within touching distance, Noah remains on the ark for 57 more days. You see, while Noah saw that the surface of the ground was dry, God perceived that the ground wasn't ready. Maybe he even perceived that Noah wasn't ready to disembark. And and for the next two months, we have this curious divine pause moment where Noah waits and, and he watches From the vantage point of the ark, surveying this vast, empty landscape before him. And as I picture Noah in that moment, I'm kind of imagining Noah processing what's happened. 
Maybe coming to terms with the realization that everything he's ever known is gone. Friends, neighbors, extended family, communities, homes, it's, it's all gone. And there's just this daunting blank canvas before him. I'm imagining it being a moment where maybe Noah is taking this deep spiritual breath. Getting ready to fully depend on God as he ventures into this new chapter. Because there's no one else who's going to help. There's no one else for him to lean on. No one else for him to depend on. And so maybe it's a moment where he's taking this deep spiritual breath. Contemplating everything that's gone before. And Jim said, didn't he, there's a time and a season for everything. There's a time and a season for for grieving and the like. But then there comes this moment. Two months of, of watching from the deck of the ark. There comes this moment where God says, now, come out of the ark, Noah. Stretch forward, Noah, into this new chapter. As I read these words, I hear it like Jesus calling to Lazarus, come forth from the grave. Come forth, Noah, come out. Come out from the previous chapter. Come out from the past. Come out from that season of of loss and grief that is appropriate to have. And I'm not talking about those of us that might be battling with that in our present But he says, Noah, come out of that season. That season is not where you need to stay. Come out from loss and grief. Come out from hardship. Come out from confinement. Come out from that place of restriction and limitation. There was a lid over you to protect you. Come out from that shelter. Come out from that bunker that you've been holed up in all of this time. Come out, Noah. And Noah, rise up. Rise up. Noah, step in to this new chapter. Step into this spacious place, this spacious land that I have prepared for you. Step into new life. Step into new hope. Step into new purpose and new possibility. Get ready, Noah. And can I say this morning, get ready, Waypoint Church. Get ready, Noah, and get ready, Waypoint Church, because I want to make you fruitful, and I want you to increase. Amen? Amen. It's rousing, isn't it? See, I want us to notice something important this morning. Jim alluded to it. This was not a new chapter for Noah because he got out of the boat. Noah got out of the boat because it was a new chapter. Let me put it like this. The surface of the ground being dry, it could never turn the page. The only way the page on his chapter could ever turn was by the voice of God calling him in to that new chapter. And to Noah's credit, he knew that. He trusted and he reasoned and he rationalized that God was the one who had shut him up in the ark in the first place. You know, God had closed the door and Noah reasoned that the only one who could ever call him out, the only one who could ever declare this new chapter was the one who had closed him in in the first place. It was only God who could lead him out. And I want to emphasize in this moment, 
as we acknowledge a new chapter here, this is not a new chapter because Zoe and I have arrived. We've arrived because this is a new chapter. This is not a new chapter because you have arrived by accident or by any means that you thought wasn't part of your plan or your purpose. You've arrived because this is a new chapter. We haven't endured to get to this point because it's a new chapter. Well, we have endured and now it is a new chapter. See, I want us to be encouraged. In Noah's day, the purposes of God were at work. The Spirit of God was on the move. God was fully intending to bring renewal to the world. And in our day, be encouraged, the Spirit of God is on the move. Sometimes we may not see it, but he wants us to perceive it. The Spirit of God is on the move. And as with Noah's day, he is once again wanting to bring renewal to his church. As with Noah's day, there's this wonderful grace moment. There's this wonderful grace opportunity where the Lord beckons to his people and says, Listen, will you, will you realign with my heart once again? Will you realign once again with my plans? And with my purposes. See, as we sense God calling us to stretch forward into this new chapter, I believe the next part of Noah's story is so, so significant for us. If we read in Genesis chapter 8 verse 20, we would find that the very first thing that Noah does as he steps out of the ark into this new chapter is to worship to mark this new chapter with worship. Now, I don't know what happened on the ark for the best part of a year, but I'm imagining that they didn't light too many fires on this wooden boat that was keeping them safe. I'm imagining that they didn't have too many burnt offerings where they've killed animals and they've built altars in the middle of the ark and they've smoked everybody out. I'm imagining that may not have happened. And so it is entirely possible that in this moment when Noah steps into this new chapter, it's the first time in a long time that they have built an altar to the Lord. It's a moment where they are re-establishing and resetting their priorities, saying this matters. And this is where our new chapter has to begin. We are establishing a new foundation, a uh, a, a new springboard, a new base camp from which to enter this new chapter and I think this was a stretch for their worship you know prior to getting on the ark animals were plentiful proportionally this is a monumental sacrifice to slaughter some animals and give a burnt offering to the Lord it's a monumental statement of faith and trust God we are going to depend Upon you in this new chapter. And, church, I want to give us a heads up. So, we're speaking about stretching into this new chapter in two weeks' time. You know, we want to take a leaf out of Noah's book. We want to be inspired by the way that he stepped into his new chapter. And we're going to start a series that's called Worship That's Fit for a King.
And I want to encourage you to be praying with us. As we set out to do that, we want to mark this new chapter by stretching forward in the area of our worship. Creating a springboard. Marking the moment. Honouring God for all that has gone. Believing God for all that he's about to do. So I want to encourage you, pray with us. Get ready. Ask the Lord how he wants to stretch you in, in your worship. Ask God what, a, what the equivalent of a, of a burnt offering for the first time in a while might look like in your life and in our gatherings together. So I said earlier that I wanted to make mention of, of two examples of people that God moved into a new chapter. And the second one I just very briefly want to touch on this morning is a man called Jacob. Uh, Jacob, the brother of Esau, the son of Isaac, who was the son of Abraham, the man who became the father of the nation of Israel. We would find some of his story in Genesis chapter 32, but I just want to summarize some of it for us this morning because Jacob was a man who, who for pretty much all of his life was desperately hungry for the blessing of God. And yet we read that he had something of a character flaw in his life. And hey, don't we all have those? He had something of a character flaw in his life which represented itself in deceptive uh, behavior, scheming and, and strategizing of how to, how to get a, a, an advantage. And one day God calls to Jacob. And he calls him out of a place where he has been hiding for fear of his life because his brother Esau was angry and wanted to kill him. He's been hiding for 20 years with his uncle Laban, and God calls him into a new chapter. He calls him to return home to the land that God had promised to give to Abraham and Isaac, his forefathers, and had also promised to give to Jacob. He calls him to return there, and Jacob's terrified. He's terrified because it's the same place where his brother Esau is living, where this threat to his life exists. But even though he is afraid, Jacob is obedient. And he takes this journey. He begins this journey. And as he begins to draw near, he's still scheming. He's still scheming about how to pacify his brother Esau and win back his favor. Coming up with all of these strategies. And the night before he arrives, as he's on the dawn of this new chapter, he, he, he kind of makes camp for the night, ready to step into this new chapter in the morning. And in Genesis 32, we read this amazing encounter where during the night, Jacob wrestles with a figure that we understand to be the angel of the Lord. And during this encounter, Jacob's hunger for blessing comes through. He says, I will not let you go. Um, I will not let you go. And in this altercation, they wrestle all night. The angel of the Lord touches Jacob's hip. And we read in, in verse 25 of Genesis 32 that Jacob's hip was yaka. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but that's the Hebrew word that is used here. His hip was yaka. It was strained. It was wrenched. It was dislocated because he would not let go. Because he was hungry for God's blessing. In the next verse, Jacob declares his motive and he says this profound phrase. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You see, for Jacob, stretching forward into this new chapter 
it meant being willing to be changed. It meant being willing to begin walking differently. It's like God was saying to Jacob, hey Jacob, it is time to deal with this character thing. It's time to to deal with this flaw. Jacob, I've got a new chapter for you, but it shall not be that you shall enter this new chapter by your own wit and by your own cunning. Jacob, it shall not be by your own deceptive scheming that I shall establish you in this new chapter. It shall not be by your own uh, wealth or resources even that I will make you fruitful. Jacob, no longer can this be about your might. No longer can this be about your power. But this new chapter, Jacob, it has to be about my spirit. And the angel blesses him. And the angel renames him from Jacob, which literally means supplanter or deceiver. And he gives him a new name, saying, you're going to be called Israel, which means a prince with God. Jacob, you're going to rule and you're going to reign with the power of my spirit and not the power of your own strategic scheming. You know what happens? Next day, Jacob steps into this new chapter And he finds that God's gone before him. That God's made a way, that God's gifted him favor with his brother Esau. And that all of his scheming was completely unnecessary anyway. So now I want to wrap up this morning. Zoe and I have made mention of parts of our journey at different points. And I just want you to know this morning that this kind of prayer of Jacob has been a really central prayer for us over the last few years. That where he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Our prayer has been God, our biggest prayer, God, we want to be where you're going to bless us. We want to be doing what you're going to bless. God, more than anything else, we want your blessing. More than staying where we are, God, we want your blessing. More than keeping our jobs, we want your blessing. More than keeping our home, we want your blessing. More than keeping the familiarity and the comfort of our community, God, we want your blessing. And so, God, if if having your blessing in our lives, if it means that we need to change, if having your blessing requires change, then God, we are willing to face our fears. And we are willing to embrace that change. As we stretch forward together into this new chapter, I want to encourage us, church, to do so. Firstly, determined not to dwell on the past. Secondly, focused forwards on his promise of fruitfulness. Thirdly, lifting our gaze above the circumstances that surround us. Fourthly, trusting God's perfect timing in all things. Fifthly, depending on the Spirit of God. Sixthly, hungering after God's blessing. Seventhly, if that's even a word, humbling ourselves to be changed. And eighthly, and lastly, but not leastly, worshipping as our first priority. 
And along the way, church, let's be family. Let's be family. Let's listen to one another. Let's talk. Let's support. Let's care. Let's ask those questions together. I know the door of the, uh, the eldership will be open for us to journey together. And let's encourage one another to keep on stretching forward to what is ahead. Pressing on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called you and he's called me and he's calling us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen. Listen, maybe the worship team can come back up. Jim and I were talking before this morning, and, and we just felt this was an important moment to encourage us to make a response. Sometimes we can make a response in our hearts, and that's entirely valid. But we just felt that this morning was a morning to encourage us to make what might feel sometimes like a more stretching response. And in a few moments, I'm going to encourage you, if you feel able and you feel like you want to make a response. I know some of us are collecting our children. We can involve our children in this response too. That's absolutely fine. I want to encourage us to make a response by stretching ourselves and coming to gather at the front. Just as a, if you're able to do it as a, as a, as a way of doing something practical and stretching to make a demonstration, not before me or before Jim or before anybody else, but before the Lord. And I sense that the response that the Lord is looking for this morning is a really simple one. It's for hearts that are willing to say, yes, Lord, stretch me forwards. Yes, Jesus, stretch me forwards. God, stretch me. God, grow me. God, free me. God, change me because I want your blessing." in my life and in the life of this church.